the oh the other thing is uh from her time on it and i um i think i'll cut this in probably uh is that they were talking about uh it was the when they were talking about the the fact that the only emmy that they won was for wardrobe they were just like you know we haven't we didn't win anyone else we didn't uh we didn't win any sag awards and then like i forget who it's just like yeah but you know we got kicked out of the sag awards and it's this i think i don't know if we mentioned in the previous episode but they they just like partied way too hard at uh one like the very first uh screen actors guild award that they were invited yeah, to yeah they ju- they just got lit up right yeah yeah they uh Dave's uh Dave Foley says that like um the everybody else at every other table was either like I wish you were at our table or I wish you weren't at your table <laughs> um but just the one, the 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 the, the thing that the, that makes it is just Candy Alexander saying the phrase "We trash the SAG Awards." How about the camera never blinks? How about the microphone never blinks? How about the microphone? Microphone. Microphone. Never blinks. How about the microphone never blinks? Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Microphone Never Blinks. I'm Yaakov, and uh, with me, as always, is my co-host, Megan. Hi, everybody. Hey. So, um, we're recording on Saturday, uh, June 9th. Um, I don't know when this is going to come out, you know, whenever we finish editing it. Whenever Um, we feel like it, and you'll you'll be grateful for it. Exactly, exactly. Or you, you, at least you should be. Yes. Uh, please, please be grateful. Please <laughs> like us. <laughs> <laughs> please like us. Um, but yeah, yesterday, uh, this is a bit of a bummer of a note to start a podcast on, but we found out that uh, Tony Bourdain, um, well, he, he died yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And we were, um, Yakov and I were emailing about it. We were actually, I think neither of us are really... Um, have been terribly emotionally affected by uh, any celebrity deaths up to this point, but um, we were both pretty bummed out about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've never... It, it That's never happened before, so that's why I was just taken by such surprise. Like, I just... I don't generally have an emotional connection to celebrities. Right. Um, Me neither. Yeah, and and so this this just took me totally by surprise by how much it like hit me. Um I think you know, I I I think maybe part of that too is um I don't you know, I don't have anything against celebrities, but I also don't feel there aren't many celebrities where their public persona is something that resonates with me as you know, someone who I feel like I would like in real life or respond to. But um, obviously, like, you know, I, I guess without really realizing it, I felt differently about Bourdain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder, like, how much of that is the fact that he, he wasn't, I mean, he was an actor, but he wasn't like, he wasn't doing lines. He wasn't doing other people's characters. Right. He was just doing tony bourdain and it felt more you know authentic right um i would i liked both parts unknown and no reservations um 
But I remember, like, I would seek out Parts Unknown episodes for countries that I was interested in because it was always, like, you would get this kind of unvarnished look at it that, I, I don't know, it felt remarkable that it was on cable in that way. Um, like, it felt it felt like what, it felt like an actual version of what, stupid vice is always going for which is like raw like raw unfiltered uh authentic but it actually just was that because it was just like a guy who was insatiably curious about the world going around and talking to people and just like even if briefly um just wanting to make a moment of genuine connection in their life i i don't know i'm not explaining it well yeah, I mean, there wasn't, like, there wasn't the least, like, bit of, like, ironic detachment in it. No, um, no. Yeah, and and I mean, that that doesn't mean that he was, like, he this just, like, sentimental or, like, sappy guy, because he was abrasive. He was, he was openly abrasive. I think by the oh. time it got to, um, by the time it got to Parts Unknown, he kind of chilled out, but uh, no reservations. He was just, like, openly abrasive, but not, like, in a way meant to, you know, like, purposefully put anyone down. It was just, like, he knew he was, he he, he knew who he was, and he knew how he was being, and he knew that, um, you know, it's 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 not to everybody, but, like, if you liked him, you really liked him, I think. Yeah, and he wasn't nice just for the sake of being nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, if you've ever watched, like, um, Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmern, like, he is constantly, constantly acting so patronizing, especially if it's too, uh, especially if he's, like, outside of America yeah. or in poor America. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, Tony Bourdain never did that. See, he didn't take himself he didn't take himself too seriously too. Like I like that later in his life he was able to send up the kind of tough guy, uh bad boy of the kitchen persona that you know initially opened doors for him after Kitchen Confidential. Yeah, yeah, I remember like on especially on Parts Unknown, he was just like, "Listen, like I'm an old man now." Right. Uh you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to be doing the things I was doing like 10, 15 years ago. Um, but he's still, you know, still having fun. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know, man. He was a, this, he was a real one. This is, it's really sad. Yeah, we, we miss you already, Tony. Yeah. Um, and our condolences to, uh, Asi Argento. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Who is an amazing person in her own right. And, you know, I can't imagine how. I, I can't even imagine dealing with this. So, you know, all the thoughts in the world to her. And I, not to make too hacky of a comparison, but I feel like this is another one. This is, this is another loss that I think is as unexpected and as huge as the Phil Hartman loss was because it's sort of the sudden absence of just like a towering talent and uh the outpouring you know i haven't seen a single bad word about him um come out in the you know the 24 hours since the news broke it it really seems like it's another it, it's another person who was just so universally beloved and i think part of that is that 
you know, as you watched him, you watched a person try to be better about everything. And like, you know, even if I'm 100% sure you could dig shit up on him, but even if if you could, like, just the, the fact that you could see him, like, try to be less prejudiced, try to be more tolerant, even though, like, his natural inclination is uh, not that, is not like this, you know, overwhelming openness. Um, yeah, just, just like a, a light going out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so everything, everything's terrible. Um, but the good news is I, I said this to you before we started taping, but I thought that at least one of these episodes was a real banger. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, to, uh, this week we're, we're doing, or this week, this episode, uh, we're doing a big day, which is the episode, where Dave has to distribute bonuses to everybody without people knowing that he's the one distributing them. And Luncheon at the Waldorf, which is Yee. the, like, sexual harassment uh Yowza, episode. yowza. It is spicy. Woof. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's a heck of a thing and extremely a product of the 90s. My just... uh, my lawyer has advised me that I cannot discuss that, that episode at all. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I, I guess let's just uh, get, get right into, uh, into Big Day. Yeah, we'll start with the easy one. Um, yeah. So I love Big Day. I would not be surprised if... This ends up at the end of our rewatch and uh, podcast. I would not be surprised if this ends up being one of my top three episodes of all time. Really? Wow. Um, I I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's um, it's got like some really good jokes in it. And it's it's rather than like being dense, it's really breezy. And it's just like a fun episode that at the end doesn't even matter like the events that take place during the episode are completely nullified by its ending it's just a total reset at the end yeah it's uh it was it's it's a really just subversive move for you know a network sitcom just to show you 24 minutes of something that ends up just not being resolved at all neither like the 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 a plot just sort of vanishes and the b plot is never resolved um right but i think you know as I think I've said before, I have a real soft spot for these uh, Dave versus the unyielding entropy of the universe setups, where it's like Dave trying to accomplish something that, you know, may be reasonable as it was in this episode, or maybe ridiculous, as I think happens later on. Uh, and he's just like met with this childish opposition at every turn by his employees i just i i eat that up i'm i'm a simple i'm a simple-minded lady and boy do i love it so basically what happens is that uh they get annual bonuses there and uh there are three tiers of bonuses there is the standard bonus of four hundred dollars which um in 1990x money uh is slightly more than it is now like yes although uh if someone wants to give me four hundred dollars right now i won't turn my nose up at it no no absolutely not uh four hundred dollars would be great you know four hundo uh hang on i'm looking it up how much it would be worth today yes about 620 bucks oh 
That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it's a okay. chunk of change. That is, yeah. That's a huge chunk of change. Um, I think that we should, even if there's not amounts of money in future episodes, I think that we should still report on uh, the rate of inflation in every episode from now on. It's, it's important. People need yep. to know. Yep. This is an educational podcast. But mm. so in addition to the normal bonus, uh, one person gets the big bonus of $3,000, which how much is that in today's money? That is five grand. Woo. All right. Yeah. That's an enormous amount of money. That's I would also love five grand. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, and then as the final piece... Uh, do you want to explain? Somebody gets the shaft. They are shafted by no money. And by somebody, uh, we mean Matthew. Yes. Did, uh, did Mr. James drop any hints about who's getting the shaft this year? <laughs> no, Matthew, I don't think that's been figured out yet. Okay, well, it better not be me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I take it you've gotten the shaft before. Three times, David. <laughs> I've been working here for three years, and I have been thrice shafted. Boy, that line. Only Andy Dick could have done that line. Like, did you, you know, it's... Did you hear someone in the studio audience, like, scream with joy when Andy Dick did that line? The 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 uh, the ovation for it was definitely like over the top. Yeah, uh, it, someone just like lost <laughs> their mind in the studio audience and was just like, "Wow!" And it was, it was. Uh, I I like laughed out loud because Andy Dick's delivery is very funny, but uh, someone was just driven insane by it. Yeah, I was uh, listening to the commentary and like part of the production of the show is that they usually ran through it about three times, uh, you know, once to get it, you know, through and then a second time and then a third time. And then they shot uh, pickups after the audience left of just things that they wanted to reshoot, which uh, Dave Foley describes. It's like if you ever see like a shot in the show completely drained of any heart and soul, it's <laughs> a pickup. Um, but yeah, apparently, like on the second run, the audience is always much more receptive to the jokes and like laughing much more because they're paying less to paying attention less to the to the lines and they know when the jokes are coming. So oh. I bet that's like a that's a that's definitely like a second take reaction. Oh, that makes a lot of sense too because they um, probably it takes a minute. It, it always takes a minute when you hear a joke for the first time. It takes a minute for the punchline to sink in. Yeah. And on a sitcom, you usually don't have that much time before the next one. No, no, so. no. It's it's like patter, patter, patter. Got to keep moving. That's that's so interesting. I I'm realizing as you're talking about that that I am just completely unaware of it being filmed in front of a live studio audience. Like that's not something that enters into my mind when I'm watching these episodes um, because it's not it's a thing that's fallen out of favor now. But that probably has such an influence on the performances. Yeah. Uh, Vicki Lewis was actually talking about it, that she, that was her favorite part was the fact that there was an audience there. Cause she's a, she's she, a theater know, she, lady. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she said that like, you know, some, some sitcom actors just like, don't like that. Or like, you know, st uh, not stand up people, but like a actors that go into sitcoms, like are, are unprepared for, to, you know, all these gazing eyes. But she said that was her, that was her favorite part. Yeah. 
Speaking of the shaft, uh, this has maybe one of my top five. Like, I think in the last episode, you referred to it as like a vaudeville style. I know where this is going. Which is the shaft routine. Yes. Uh, Say, Joe, who's the black private dick that's a sex machine for all the chicks? (laughs) Bill, I think that would be shaft. Who's the cat that won't cop out when there's danger all about? Again, Bill, we're talking about Shaft. Damn right. You know, they say that cat Shaft is one bad mother. Shut up, you guys. <laughs> What's going on? It's so, f- it's so funny, and I've remembered it over the years. Like, uh, I, I remembered it exactly, um, just because it's, it's so precise. It's like a Socratic yeah. dialogue. It's like turning the Shaft song into a Socratic dialogue. Exactly, and it, and it's not like a a just like a a cover because you know Matthew's like shut up you guys is just just breaks it up <laughs> so perfectly into something that's like original. Um, yeah, it's also an unusual pairing. Like we don't see uh, Joe and Bill. A lot. Yeah, yeah. They're they're usually only together when Bill needs something weird and Joe is scamming him. Yeah. So seeing them kind of team up is fun and unusual. I I I think one of the things that we'll see as we keep going is uh, that there are a lot of kind of unexpected pairings of the cast. Unfortunately, like that. that includes Candy Alexander with anybody. I know. Although Catherine gets the she big does. bonus, she does get the big bonus. Uh, it, it's so. I mean, just to you know, let's fast forward to the end of the episode. Everybody, so everybody thinks Jimmy is giving out the bonuses, but Jimmy makes it Dave's responsibility because Jimmy hates doing it, uh, and also because Jimmy is, uh, as we have said, Jimmy is a psychological yeah 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 it's it's explicitly like uh dave accuses him of just like sowing uh chaos and jimmy just kind of smiles at him yeah we just get like a grinch yeah and and in a lot of ways this is a very like capitalist episode there there there's jimmy creating this uh you know this this competition between the staff that like ultimately does not do anybody any good but also there's the staff like at one point uh because of all this like you know the 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 bad vibes it's creating dave's just like listen let's all pool the money and just like take even right. bonuses and nobody wants to do it everybody wants to risk it right that was so um that was really interesting because i think bill even explicitly says you know he's doing a classic bill mcneil rant and he explicitly says this reeks of communism and it reminded me of it it felt like one of those like psychological experiments that they like give college kids 15 dollars to take where it's like you're given a scenario and you have to choose what to do and invariably people will um choose to try to screw someone else out of money even if it means less money for them you know basically one of those um one of those tests that proves that we are not uh good critical (laughs) thinkers about like what's the 
greatest good for the greatest number of people incapable of acting collectively towards a common goal exactly uh when there's you know like a bigger reward for the individual than the group um and you know what in 2017 i think they would have been like all right but i also think in 2017 nobody would be getting bonuses 18 no exactly (laughs) it's close enough it's fine i didn't i it sounded right to me actually i've got um i used to work at this job uh it was you know a corporate ish job it was a non-profit um and i had been there for a couple of months and uh the, the big boss uh, brings everybody in. It was like around Christmas time and tells everybody how great of a job they're doing. And, you know, everything's going great. You know, the numbers are good. And we're giving like everybody a bonus of like a hundred bucks. And it was just like this pep talk. And like he was going to give out the checks, you know, as everybody's uh, walking out the door. And then it gets to me. He's just like, oh, I'm sorry. This is for only for people who have worked here for a year or more. I'm like, why did you have me in this meeting? <gasps> oh, <laughs> that. A similar thing happened to me. So I've only worked at one job uh, that gave out bonuses. And it was a job I'd been at for three years. And I was leaving to go to a different job. Um, But I'd worked the whole year. And I was leaving in Mm -hmm. December. Uh, And I did not get the bonus because I was leaving, even though I'd worked the entire year. And I was just like, fine. (laughs) Okay. And I updated my list of enemies. <laughs> One thing I will say about Jimmy James is that, again, he was like a horrible nightmare robber baron in this episode and uh, continued to just um, use his employees as uh, playthings for his sadistic amusement. But again, he gave Dave some actually good business advice. Like Dave is uh, Dave is letting Joe show him pornography <laughs> in his office. He's like making out with Lisa with the door closed. He's like using Beth as a emotional sounding board. Dave, God bless him, is a terrible <laughs> boss. And Jimmy James gives him the advice of, uh, I think he, one of the ways he words it is, don't punch the clock with the time card yep. in your pants jimmy's basically saying keep your professional and your personal lives separate which is good yeah advice. yeah um it's it, it's one of those things and oh god i'm just gonna be constantly comparing the show to arrested development even now that making arrested they share they share a dna they do, though. yeah um and, and one of the things is that like as a at a like naive viewing like Dave Nelson and Michael Bluth both come off as like your baseline standard every man who have to like who has to like put up with the craziness around him but when you like you know get that like microscope on him and you, and you really look at him they're also bad yes yes it's not like yeah it's not like he is that that is I think that's a really good observation and that is what makes him actually interesting as opposed to just being a complete straight man. He's got all these weird issues of his own. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also like, he somewhat contemptuous of the, you know, like coastalness of, oh, of the whole thing. The, the, the New York. 
Oh, he leans on his like old, good old boy Midwestern uh, values whenever it's convenient for him. And in this episode, he uh, even acknowledges his tendency to be passive aggressive because he gives himself the shaft and he says, uh, I am taking the shaft to make you all feel yeah. guilty. <laughs> and and everybody's response is just like, all right. Yeah, yeah they don't... They, they don't care. It didn't work. So it actually, it actually is funny because there is that stereotype of uh, kind of the Minnesota nice of, uh, you know, never being outwardly aggressive, but being extremely, extremely passive right. aggressive. Yeah. Um, so, you know what, you know what I, I, I realized just, I was thinking about this, you know, uh, Jimmy, by making Dave distribute the bonuses, Jimmy ensures that Dave does not get the big bonus. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's actually, yeah, because there's no possible way that Dave could give himself the big bonus and have it be okay or accepted. That is very, that's yeah, very and true. I, and I'm, you know, I, I bet that Dave is the third highest paying, paid member of the, of the staff, like after Bill and Catherine. Um, yep. So, you know, I don't feel too bad. Uh, personally, I think no, Beth but should it get is. it because there's... What could Beth do to ever, like, deserve the big bonus? Like, nothing, right? No, she could never do anything, even though she's... Uh, and I, I wrote it down. It's uh, the, the Beth-Dave relationship is really sweet and nice because it's a completely... It's a completely platonic one um but it's also a very close one uh but if you consider that dave is her boss he is really really leaning on her for a lot of support just outside of work yeah. stuff yeah 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 she is she is his confidant and like consigliere yep. and not qualified to be in any of those positions uh uh, he ropes her into, you know, covering up a bunch of secrets that he's trying to keep, uh, not least of which is the fact that he's dating Lisa. And Beth, because of her personality, is completely unfazed by this. But it's a horrible position to put your assistant in. So I agreed. She should have yeah. gotten the big bonus. Yep. Um, oh, so there's there's also a B plot in this episode, which is probably one of the most high concept B plots in the series, which is yes. that somebody keeps leaving food on Bill's desk. <laughs> yes. And he is furious about it. And it produces what I think is one of the best throwaway set pieces um, in the whole series, which is Bill calling <laughs> Dave on Matthew's phone from inside the broadcast booth to scream at him about the food that's being left on his desk. And so we just see Bill wordlessly gesturing, um, clearly furious behind it's, it's the really glass. It's good physical comedy. Like It's you, really good. It, it, it's sometimes like you forget like the, the range that Phil Hartman has um, because he's just like not given a lot of opportunities to do like physical comedy. Right, and so much of the Bill McNeil character leans on his arrogance and his like lofty diction and his voice. Uh, you know, it's all very 
verbal. So when you see him get a chance to do, you know, pure physical comedy, it's uh, really and a he, joy. Uh, he also gets a lot of like, uh, like high drama, like exasperated yelling. Um, uh, the uh, it's like some sort of cruel magic trick. Is yes, that was a great. That and, was and a the great funny line. thing is, it's it's not him being paranoid because it does keep happening. And what they do is like the the trick shot, I guess, in this episode is that basically you got Bill's desk and like somebody leaves, usually like an like a comically oversized pastry on it uh, that's barely eaten. And then what they what they'll do is they'll uh, pan up to like Dave and Bill talking with Dave being just like Bill, just you know throw it out, it's fine. And the camera will pan back down, and there's a different thing on there, uh, placed there during the conversation. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. They 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 milk that. They get a lot out of that 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 gag. <laughs> uh, and real quick costume chat. Uh, Maura Tierney got a nice. She did. Neck. She got. She got the uh, like the 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 gray uh, dress, right? Yeah, it's it's this, yes. Yeah, it's a nice gray dress, and um, her other her other. I think she has a costume change in this one. Everybody gets a costume change in this one. I think. Um, and yes. the other thing she has is, it was very similar to the to the Dame Explorer outfit with like the the men's shirt and the billowing pants, but the pants are much less billowing. Yes. And the shirt has this uh, exaggerated collar uh, that makes it like look slightly more um, cut for uh, a woman rather than just like a like just straight up men's shirt. You know, they won a Emmy for wardrobe. That's the only Emmy they were even nominated for, but they won it. And it's uh, it's clearly not for season one, because I think like the wardrobe person they don't like, like in all of the commentary, they're constantly talking about how much. Like the costumes, like or the wardrobe rather get gets better. So I think this is the same wardrobe person because they're still putting the uh, the checkered suits uh, and like the tortoise shell glasses on Bill. Right, right. So should we uh, try to talk about luncheon at the Waldorf without getting in trouble? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's give that a good college try. Um. So, uh, a real showcase for Beth. Lots of screen mm-hmm. time for Vicki Lewis. Um, very First good. conversation between two women uh, in the show. Yes. And actually, the fact... Uh, so, actually, it is, it's a very nice... Like, Lisa and Beth have a very kind of supportive, friendly relationship, which we hadn't really seen before. Um, and there's kind of a, uh, a meta textual level to it because Bill, which is perfectly in keeping with the way his character is written, um, Bill claims that two, two women are always jealous. Yeah. There's a, show me a woman who isn't jealous of another woman and I'll show you a man. That's the, that's the line. Right. And- right. And I love it, like because right after that, because uh, it's it, they're they're lined up like in a row. It's it's, it's Bill, Dave, uh, and Lisa, and Maura Tierney. Just like she's almost like drops into a fighting stance. She like sort of she, right, she gets right. her she gets her she she gets her arms up and then just like drops them. But she's clearly like about to punch Bill, um, which. 
which is a great little moment because I feel like we're still getting, um, you know, I love more tyranny, uh, but we're still getting, you know, pretty safe uh, Lisa. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, they they haven't they they haven't uh, made her like particularly sassy or uh, or or anything like that yet. Um, she's just right. doing a lot of uh, well, the she's definitely like. Whenever it's her and Dave and it's not a, like, you know, uh, hidden tryst moments, she's usually, like, just getting the best of them. Uh, and that's, yep. yeah. Yep. And this is, this is the first that we see her sort of freakish mental math. Yeah, yeah. This is, um, it, it, it's, it's the start of uh, this for her and also Joe being, like, hyper capable with technology. Yes, yes, which is, these people are, uh, you know, petty and bozos in so many ways that it's it's a great little character detail that uh, all of them have something that they're good at. Like, Bill is very good at his job. Lisa is clearly a brilliant woman. Um, Joe actually is kind of a savant with technology. Uh, Beth has a very high you know, emotional intelligence. Uh, it's fun that they're not just all completely uh, inept. Yeah, everything. yeah. A uh, lot of jokes about Spanish fly. Yeah, also a uh, very 90s thing. I think, like, the last time I heard anybody use that was 1998. I worked in a sex shop uh, in... 2006 or 2007 and even then that that wasn't something that we stocked it's it sounds like i feel like i i i i i don't even know i guess it's like an aphrodisiac yeah i I think that's i think it's supposed to be like an aphrodisiac but it sounds like something that people who were really into the swing music revival <laughs> in the '90s would talk about. It's it, it's definitely a uh, Brian Setzer orchestra song. Yes, um, yes, yes. So the the um, so the 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 thing that we're avoiding talking about uh, is the, the 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 plot is that Bill asks uh, Beth to accompany him to, like, a Republican dinner of some kind? In a way that seems very much like Yeah, yeah, he's he's being, like, very familiar with her um, and, you know, complimenting her on, like, her appearance. And, and so she agrees to it, and then uh, immediately Lisa... And this is the conversation that... Uh, is like the first conversation between two women on the show. Lisa, it was just like, what are you doing? Right. And so <clears throat> the the buildup is that uh, Beth, everyone is worried that Beth uh, is, there seems to be kind of a unspoken understanding that Bill is a predator of some sort. Um, and so everyone's concern is for Beth. Like they're worried uh, that Beth is going to be like pressured into something that she doesn't want to do that. Bill is like taking advantage of her in some way. Yeah. It's a very um, like 
parental uh, sort of worry. Dave yes. and Lisa even have a conversation where he like refers to her as Ma, uh, which like the whole parental thing uh, becomes the basis for like the 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 worst <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Yeah, the 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 central Just... joke of this episode. I am going to get it eternal sunshine out of me. I like can't go on uh, remembering hearing it. And you have to absolutely a hundred percent. Okay, so uh, so the, the 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 twist of the episode is after all this sort of dread and buildup, um, people are waiting in the office for. Bill and Beth to come back um, and when they do finally come back like Beth walks in very ashen and goes immediately to Dave's office and Bill follows behind her looking very shaken everyone assumes that Bill did something to Beth uh, and then Beth reveals that no she was the one who kind of well she yeah. assaulted Bill. it's um she it's it's one of those things that like breaks suspension and disbelief a bit because they have to do it is that she like comes out of the office as they're just like they nobody like explicitly says anything to bill outside of being like oh bill what did you do uh so nobody's and lisa's about to and beth walks out of the office and just like completely exonerates him like without without like a shadow of a doubt and it it, and it was just like this Uh, so much of this episode felt like they had like done very precise math for exactly what you have to do to pull off the you know like reverse uh sexual harassment sexual assault sort of plot and it's just like all right Right. we have to take like the biggest guy and like the smallest like woman in the cast uh it has to like be completely turned around like almost immediately after anything is is like implied to have happened like the buildup they can go for a while with but like after beth and bill reappear you have to like you know clear it up like that um well and the implication is that you know it's uh because the the roles are reversed the implication is that it's fine and even funny yeah and they they even play that weirdly because None yeah. of um, Bill's lines are jokes after that point, except for like the 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 sort of little monologue he has. Other than that, all of his lines are basically like your standard like um, television like sexual harassment post like stuff line. Like you know, it's a uh, you know, what if we're in the office late at night? You know, it's all lines like that. None of which are like jokes or have punchlines. No, and he's like, uh, you know, Bill McNeil, as we know, is sort of, is is definitely like a a sexist. Uh, but he, even within the universe that they've created, he's clearly like kind of. He shaken. even like tries to cover for Beth. Like they they extract what happened. Like uh... right. Like he doesn't want to. It seems like he would prefer to just like never talk about it again. Just prefer just you know right. pretend it didn't happen. And like Beth spends the entire time like extremely ashamed of herself. Uh, right. It's just like a well. It, I mean, it's a 
it's it's dealing with some very kind of um, complex motivations and emotions, but it's all played at this like really high level for laughs, which kind of um, tonally. Yeah, feels it weird. does, and like the only reason it like if you would agree that it works, like the only reason that it works is that Phil Hartman is a genius, is like a virtuosic yes. actor, yes. and like puts so much into every single line he has, every one of which is a very short, like, statement that isn't inherently funny. Um, right. Yeah. And I would say Vicky Lewis, yeah. too, does uh, a very good job kind of being a person in a shame spiral. It's also paired with uh, a, a very dry B story, that makes for uh, an odd, it makes for like odd bedfellows, uh, to use a very terrible pun, um, where Dave is trying to track down a budget overrun. And it turns out that everyone has basically just been, you know, using uh, the company accounts as like their private credit cards. <laughs> Matthew, can I talk to you for a second? Sure, what is it? Uh, Matthew, you make a lot of long distance phone calls, don't you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I've got to uh, research things. Yeah, yeah. And then uh-huh. do phone interviews. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, research things. Oh, yeah, yeah, why, yeah, yeah. What, what, uh, no, 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 it's just, uh, you know, why don't you uh, tell whoever you're talking to that you'll call them back in a little while. Okay, um, your office then, five minutes, I'll just... No, 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 right here, right now. Okay. Je vous téléphoner un autre temps. Quoi? Parskimone supervisor et ici. Oui. Au revoir. Def- somehow defrauding the company. Um, right, right. Um, and I think the best joke of the episode actually comes out of this. Because it turns out that Beth has been subscribing yes, to magazines. The, oh, oh, I love this joke. Okay, well, listen, hey, can you at least tell me who's been charging uh, magazine subscriptions to the uh, station? That was me, Dave. Okay, who else? Come on, I've had like 93 subscriptions last month alone. Those are all mine, Dave. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. What? Well, I'm trying to win the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes, okay? <laughs> I'd like to be the first psychotic nymphomaniac to get a big check from Ed McMahon. All right, look, Beth. I know you've had a rough day. I know this has been very hard on you. And I know you've heard this before, but I'm going to say it again because it's important, all right? You do not have to subscribe in order to be eligible for the publisher's clearinghouse. That, I don't, uh, I don't want to sound melodramatic, but... I think that that one joke made the whole episode worth it for me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um it's almost definitely my favorite joke of the episode when I remember that this is the episode that it's in. Yes. Um it's it's just like it's it's the closest you can do to like a like shaggy dog story on a sitcom. Yes. Uh, yes. Just the 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 just the punchline is just, it comes out of nowhere and makes so much sense that uh, it's it's beautiful. Um, yeah, and it, it justifies the whole B story behind it, too. Yeah, and it also, 
makes up a little for the fact that part of that B story, the entire exchange with Catherine is um, Ooh, black people have boy, funny names. Aye. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, that was... Uh, I was just like... Ugh. Spent the whole time drawing Aaron through my teeth. Yeah, and I don't... You know, I, I, I don't want to be... Obviously, this was made in a certain... This was made in a certain moment in time. Uh, our approach to media is different now, thankfully. Uh, and I don't want to, you know, seem like we're just being woke for the sake of being woke. But I also, you know, there's no reason to pretend that we're watching this in 1995. Right, right. Yeah, it's, you know, I we, it, it's the same, like, we can't unsee Jimmy as, you know the embodiment of what has gone wrong with the world, even though, right. you know, we, we, we've, we've loved him for 20 years. Um, right. You know, it's, I mean, we can, we can love this show and love characters and acknowledge when they get lazy and shitty uh, and, you know, do things like go, you know, do make jokes that are basically not jokes, which is which is kind of what this is. It's just, right. you know, black women have weird names, which, you know, was was lazy even at the time, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, they got it wasn't for this episode, but for the previous episode, we were doing Big Day. Uh, Candy was on the commentary. Oh, which is, I mean, it's great because it's weird that they got her for the commentary for an. Ep- I mean, I guess they they all did like chunks out of order because uh, luncheon at the Waldorf. They were all just like, this is the last one we're doing, and we're all exhausted. Uh, but big day, you know, because she, she's only got that one line in there. But that last line when she gets the big bonus and she's just like, honey, you just got to know when to, you know, how to play the game. Right. Uh, she's just like, yeah. So Paul and Joe, uh, Joe Fury, came up to me and just like, listen, we were just wondering if you could do the line a little more. Uh, and she she had a lot of fun with that. That's really that's really funny. And honestly good good for her. Bill looks amazing. He's he's wearing like a tux and it's just, you know, like it's a guy in a tux, but it's it's Phil Hartman. He looks great. And there's this moment where he's asking people how how he how he looks, and everybody's like, You look like a creep, Bill. Right, um, and he's right. just like, wait, wait, wait. And he grabs like a flower and he turns around, he turns away from the camera, he puts it into his buttonhole, and then he presents himself back out like with this, you know just jazz hand sort of gesture and like my heart fucking broke i know (sighs) yeah and he he brings her a corsage he does very funny and i don't know if you noticed but um in the end of the episode she has got the corsage like pinned right in the center of her chest between her boobs right yeah yeah (laughs) Was that like, was she covering up her cleavage or was she just doing a Beth thing? I think it was just a Beth thing of it being the most attention getting place to put it. Right. Yeah. Um, Also, at the end, Bill's also wearing some sort of like opera cape. Yes. Yeah. Uh, It's 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 very, very weird. He just seems to like produce black tie wear. Yeah. From, out from nowhere. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, all in all, I think we agree. Episode didn't age well, but a couple of moments of true bu- brilliance. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about the big joke. Oh, that's right. Uh, uh, <sighs> I don't, so. I don't, I don't feel good. 
How about we just cut it in and let everybody make their own decision? Yes. So this joke is Bill talking about his lived experience. And uh, it made me ill. Yeah. Well, well, what exactly happened? She Frenched me, Lisa. (laughs) She was being a perfect young lady, then wham, she's all over. Well, I'm sorry. That must have been very awkward for you. You know what it's like? It's like taking your daughter to the fair and buying her cotton candy and winning prizes for her. Then you get on the Ferris wheel and she wants to make out. How could she do that to me, Lisa? How could she French your daddy? Uh, you're welcome. You Should will... we just cut the episode at that? Yeah, what if we did? That would be, that'd be really funny, actually. We Good should... night, everybody. So bad. Uh-huh. <laughs>